Today is part nine of our Connecting with God series through the book of Ephesians, and I entitled today's message, An Ever-Present God, and I'm going to draw your attention to the fill-in-the-blank there on your sheet, but I just have a couple quick thoughts. The first one is I want to recap the passage we read last week with Pastor Paul Tomey and appreciate him. Did you guys enjoy Pastor Paul's preaching? Yeah, I mean, it was awesome. He is, yeah, what an amazing man of God, a man of the word. So we are super thankful to have him on board as part of our team. So he read the passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter one, verse 13 and 14. I'm just gonna read it to you in case you don't have time to turn there, but let me just read it. Here's what he said. In him, in Jesus Christ, you also, Christians, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you heard the facts and you believed in him, meaning you lived as if it was true and received it, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now what does that say? What did it really say? When you got saved, you got the Holy Spirit. That's what it just said. All right, in order to make that have power for us, we need to know who the Holy Spirit is and what he does, right? Because if we don't understand the power of God giving us his Holy Spirit, if we don't understand that, we're gonna miss out on the majority of what Christianity is designed to be. Why? The fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you is this. Connection brings the Holy Spirit. Connection brings the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna to suggest to you, and that changed everything. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna kinda of do a Holy Spirit 101 class today, right? I'm gonna kinda of give you an idea on who he is, what he does, stuff like that. And then, at the end of the service, we're just gonna have a time where he's just gonna minister to us. And we're just gonna engage with him in prayer. Does that sound like a good idea? So here's what we're gonna do. It's that I'm gonna share three truths about who he is, three truths about what he does, and three truths about how he operates in the church today, and then we'll go into ministry time. Now, there are some of you that are going, oh, well, let's see how this goes. All right, understand this. Christianity teaches that we believe in a triune God, at least. Now, when I say at least, there might be more dimensions to the Lord than he couldn't even reveal to us, but in the Bible, he reveals at least that he is one God, three persons. Who are they? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We get very used to that. But it's really important that we understand that the Holy Spirit is just as much God as the Father is, just as much God as the Son is. Because if there's any time that you demote him and make him anything else, we've got off kilter, right? Something's not right in there. The way that it's described is three persons, one God. You're gonna go, Pastor, how does that work? I have no idea. I don't even have time to get into the Trinity and do all that stuff. Man, there's a whole bunch we can get into. That was other messages. We're not doing that today. What I'm telling you is it's real. And we need to understand that although they differ in function, they are all co-equal. 
There's not one that's older than the other one, not one that's stronger than the other one. There's none of that. They are co-equal in all ways. They share the same heart and mind, right? Okay, great. It's so important that Jesus, as he was leaving, he issued out what we call the Great Commission, right? He's like, hey guys, come on in here real quick. Huddle up, I'm ready to get out of here. And I need you to know this. I want you to go out into all the world and I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If God gave us all three and focused on all three, we need to focus on all three. So let's do that, amen? Amen, all right, let's begin. If you take notes, this is the time to take notes. I'm gonna give you three truths on who the Holy Spirit is, meaning his nature. And when I keep saying he, are we all clear the Bible refers to him with a personal pronoun, right? So that way, you don't refer to a force as he, right? We're gonna learn all kinds of stuff about who he is, but once again, the Bible refers to him in a personal way, mind, will, emotion, stuff like that, all right? So here we go. Number one, the Holy Spirit is personal. The Holy Spirit is personal. He's not some floating spirit orb. He is someone, and we're supposed to interact with him just like we interact with the Father and we interact with the Son, which means you can talk to him, you can pray to him, you can ask him questions, you can do ministry and partnership with him. All those apply to the Holy Spirit. He is another emotional side of God. Now, the Father is emotional because we think about the time when he was thundering on Mount Sinai. We think about the Son, Jesus Christ, as he's weeping over Israel. But the Holy Spirit is also an emotion person. And what I mean by that is, in the Old Testament and New Testament, it says that he was grieved by something. You can't grieve a force. If you grieve, meaning he was bummed out about something, something hurt his heart, and you don't hurt somebody's heart if they're not a somebody. Does that make sense? What's intriguing is Hebrew, Hebrews goes even further and says what? That the Holy Spirit can be outraged. Now that's a pretty intense emotion, yeah? I mean, it's not like it was just kind of ho-hum. Outrage is a big deal. So the Holy Spirit has tremendous emotions and something else about him being personal. He tends to linger where he's wanted. He's a bit of a gentleman in the sense that if he's not wanted, he steps out. Now this is very, very important. Why? Because 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the Spirit, meaning don't shut down what he does. And you go, well, in what way? Well, it goes on. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good. What was his point? Just because it's a little weird for you, just because you don't like it, doesn't mean that that's not the Holy Spirit, so you need to be very careful and gentle in that area, right? You don't just shut everything down that's uncomfortable for you. He said, no, 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 we take it in, we sift and sort it, we throw out the garbage. Make sense? That's how the Bible tells us to look at that. Now, you go, all right, well, quite frankly, Pastor, I've been doing great just kind of avoiding this situation for a really long time, so uh, I'm not quite sure whether or not that's a big deal. Okay, I'm gonna say it this way. Do you remember when uh, Jesus Christ was here on earth and he did a three-year ministry? I mean, we kind of 
base all of Christianity on it, so I'm sure you've heard about it, right? Did you know that that entire ministry was operated and fueled by the Holy Spirit? Now, I'm going to get a little bit deeper into that in a moment, but just understand this. When Jesus came here, although he is fully God, he set aside all his stuff so he would demonstrate a life that was fully human and how it would look submitted to the Father and to the Holy Spirit. In other words, every miracle he did was due to the power of the Holy Spirit. Every demon he cast by the Holy Spirit. Everything he operated in, when he walked on water, that was by the power of the Holy Spirit. So his entire ministry was fueled by the Holy Spirit. What are we thinking that we're doing with our ministry if it's not fueled by the Holy Spirit? That doesn't make any sense, right? Now here's why it matters that he lingers where he's wanted. Do you remember the story that when Jesus decided to go back to his hometown of Nazareth, right? That's where he grew up. So he comes back after doing some ministry and he's been doing some crazy stuff, super cool stuff. So he does things like walking on water and casting out demons and healing people and everybody knows this guy now. He's super famous. So he comes back home and everybody's like, hey, hometown hero's back, nice. And they listen to his message and it's intense, right? He's talking like as if he's been to heaven and he's talking about what God thinks and he's doing all this and everybody's hanging on his every word. And then one person starts thinking to themselves, wait a second, this guy's not magical. I grew up two houses from that dude. Like literally we were elementary school together. I remember beating that kid on a math test, man. And now what? He's like, oh, I'm the Messiah, right? No, you're not. You're regular dude. I know your mom, Mary. I know your dad, Joseph. I know all your brothers and sisters, right? And he starts going, you must not be what you're saying you are. Well, he then vocalizes that and everybody starts second guessing it. Hey, that's a good point. Yeah, I remember that. Man, he was... Man, we all worked in the carpentry trade together. I remember this guy. Hey, and they all start thinking, all the faith goes right out of the room. Now, the reason why this involves the Holy Spirit is because that story ends with this phrase. And Jesus could not do miracles there because of their lack of faith. Why is that so important? It says all he could do was lay his hands on a few sick people and make them well which in his mind was like lame. Like to us, we're like, whoa, <laughs> right? But to him, he's like, whatever, that's easy. I do that in the morning and for breakfast. <laughs> Why is that important? Remember, his whole ministry is fueled by the Holy Spirit. So what happened? The Holy Spirit's hanging out with Jesus, empowering him, and everybody starts going, no, it's no big deal. God's no big deal. And he goes, I'm out. And he walked out the door and just stepped out. And, and Jesus is like, so we're not doing anything here. He just took off with the power. So we're gonna go ahead and just keep things mellow today. And the Holy Spirit's like, hey dude, you can keep preaching, but these people don't even want me here. I'm out. Be careful on quenching the movement of the Holy Spirit. There is a sensitivity there of going, listen, if you don't want me, I don't need to be here. Does that make sense? All right, so that's why we're very sensitive about this stuff. Number two, what is he like? Number two, the Holy Spirit is closest. Now I put that in quotes because Man, it's all relative, right? He's the closest version of the member of the Godhead. In other words, the Father talked with everyone from a distance. Jesus walked alongside people, but what? The Holy Spirit went inside. 
You can't get any closer than that. As a matter of fact, it says over and over in scripture, what? Do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? You can't get closer than that. He is the closest member of the Godhead dealing with us. Now we go, you know what? I asked Jesus into my heart. And he's like, yeah, who do you think got him in there? Right? So the Holy Spirit's like, come on, guys, we're going in, right? That was the idea. Now, this is important because I've been reading a, a book recently by Chuck Smith. Anybody remember Chuck Smith that launched the Calvary Chapel movement? So he wrote a book called Living Water by, uh, about the Holy Spirit. And in there, he said it in a really neat way. He said, imagine this. You're an adult male. You've been hanging out with this guy for three years. Everything he did supports you. He's your whole mindset. Any obstacle, you could turn around and look at the expert and go, what are we gonna do about that? And he has an answer. If there was any miracle needing to be done, he was it. If there was any healing that needed to be done, he's it. And so your whole world was shaped around him. And now he says, hey guys, I'm gonna get out of here. Like real quick, I'm gonna step out. Do you understand how scary that would be? That you go, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. I quit my job for you. Like, you're my everything. You're my hero, you're my best friend, you're my boss, I don't understand what you're talking about. No, 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 you're not going anywhere. And then he said this passage, if you'd like to turn there, it's John 14, 16. John 14, 16, this is an important one. If you can turn there, great, if not, just listen. Here's what Jesus said to them to calm their fears. He said this, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now here's what's so cool about the words that he used. He said another helper. In Greek, it means another of the same quality and kind. In other words, he was saying, hey guys, hold on, I'm not gonna leave you. Listen, I gotta go, and it's better that I go, trust me, because when the Holy Spirit comes, he's with you all the time, right? So half the time, I have to go home, right? I mean, I understand we're all doing ministry together, but there's still times that I'm like, I gotta go to the store, how about you guys hang here? There's times when you're not with me but he's gonna be with you all the time. And as a matter of fact, he does what I do. I teach you, he's gonna teach you. I move obstacles out of your way, he moves obstacles out of your way. I comfort you, he comforts you. You're not getting degraded here. As a matter of fact, you're getting an upgrade because once the Holy Spirit is here, you all will do greater things because the body of Christ is only getting bigger and the Holy Spirit is in all of them, so I'm able to do everything I need to do here in the world. And they were like, oh, oh okay, okay. Well, I still think it's lame that you're leaving, right? Okay. Number three, the Holy Spirit is a gentle defender. The Holy Spirit is a gentle defender. Now let me explain what I mean by that. I've been asked throughout my years in ministry, so Pastor Lance, give me, help me understand this. So when God created mankind, he created male and female, right? Yeah. And it's all in the nature of God, yeah? Yeah. So when he poured all masculinity 
and all that is male into males, that's from him, yeah? Yes. And when he created women, all femininity and all that is woman came from him directly, yeah? Yes. Okay, so then all of a sudden we have the father, the son, those are both dudes, and then we have the Holy Spirit referred to as he. So can you please tell me where exactly we are gonna have any of the feminine, any of the, where's mom? Just pointing that out. Like we got father, right? Where's mom in this whole mix? Now, I'm gonna suggest to you that if you understand truly the nature of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you're gonna see the fullness of both male and female. However, you will most see the qualities of that which is deeply feminine come out more obviously in the Holy Spirit. Let me explain why. So let's talk about for a second uh, his tough nature. You might know this verse, Zechariah 4, 6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. God defends his people and he's ferocious. Now you go, well, hold on, that sounds like a dude quality. Oh, you missed it. Every time kids get hurt, who do they run to? Mom, that's right. Now, my girls did the exact same thing. They ran to mom when they got hurt. And I'm like, wait a second, I'm tougher than mom. What are you talking about? I can take mom in an arm wrestling match any moment, right? Go ahead, come here, honey, come here. Let's show them, right? You know, this kind of thing. Now, what are they saying? They're saying, "Uh, dad, here's the deal. Uh, Your muscles are really not as impressive as you think they are, Uh, is number one. Number two, uh, (laughs) you know what? Mom knows what I need. And they also know the concept called mama bear, right? Okay, so here's the thing. If you touch anybody's kids, who are you afraid of more, dad or mom? Mom, yeah, because she will go off on you, right? So there is a ferocity of a defense of children in a mom that is different than in a dad. If you wanna talk about the Holy Spirit's jealousy over his kids and over his people, if you wanna talk about his nature of coming in hard and throwing down, that would be feminine. We don't think of it that way, but I think we need to twist our minds a little bit more. Why? Because I know no dudes would ever be able to have any children. (laughs) Rod, just saying right now, Women, you get all our respect, just saying that, yeah? All right, let's keep moving forward. So not only is the Holy Spirit strong and mighty and defending, but check this side of him out. In Acts 9.31, it calls him our comforter. Who do you go to for comfort? Usually, mom. Romans 14.17 says he brings us peace and joy. Romans 15.13 says he brings us hope. Number, uh, Romans 15.30 says that he brings love. Comfort, peace, joy, hope, and love. Is it any wonder that in Galatians 5.22 it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, y'all remember this phrase? The fruit of the Spirit, meaning the natural nature of the Holy Spirit, and if he's in you, what should come out of you naturally, if he has full influence over you, what should come out of you are these qualities. What are they? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the nature of the Holy Spirit. So what's intriguing is that you go, 
I feel wounded, Lord. I feel like somebody has harmed me and inside I'm cracking. It says, and the God of all comfort will come in. Who is that? The Holy Spirit comes in and brings a blanket of peace over you. That's his nature. All right, a gentle defender. All right, those are three things about him. Let's talk about three things that he does, all right? Three things the Holy Spirit does because he's always referred to as the great helper. Well, what does that mean? Well, let's talk about it. Number one, the Holy Spirit organizes. The Holy Spirit organizes. And you're like, what? Well, here we go. First time he shows up in the Bible, right off the bat. Y'all remember this? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and void, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Who's that? The Holy Spirit, right there in creation, hovering over the waters. What does hovering mean? It means just get me a chance. He's hovering over it and going, because I'm about to fashion and shape this thing like you've never seen before. The Holy Spirit is the one that organizes. Anybody want to talk about where babies come from? Yeah, let's do that. That's uncomfortable, right? No, it's a way easier. Here's how it goes. The Father has you in mind and initiates you through the power of the Son, and who's the one that shapes the baby? Well, that would actually be the Holy Spirit. How do we know that? Because Job tells us in his word, the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. He's the one that fashions and organizes and puts it together. What's intriguing about that is, do you remember the story of Christmas? Joseph finds out that the girl he's engaged to is pregnant. And an angel comes to him and he said, don't worry. Don't worry because the child within her was born of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit overshadowed her and a child came into her womb, which is in other words, how in the world are we gonna get God inside a person and the Holy Spirit said, let me go. I'm ready, right? I'll package him up real tiny, right? I'll put him in there, boop, and shove him in there. That's awesome. He's like, let's go. He's the organizer. As a matter of fact, do you know what role he plays in our Christianity? He not only is part of our salvation process, but he's the one that manages our sanctification. You know what sanctification means? It means he's organizing you. It means he's getting rid of the old nature of you, putting together the new nature of you, and he's making you look more and more like Jesus every day. That's what he does. Number two, the Holy Spirit empowers. The Holy Spirit empowers. Anybody remember the book of Judges and that period in Israel's history? Man, that is dark. That is serious soap opera stuff, right? Isn't it? Now you go, I don't remember that, but who, who's that again? Samson. Anybody remember Samson? Okay, that's his era, right? And if you remember, the Holy Spirit was pretty active during this period. Samson's like walking around and he's coming through a vineyard and a lion jumps out at him. And it says, and the Holy Spirit rushed upon him and he ripped the lion apart with his bare hands. Dang, that's weird, right? Can we all agree? Everyone's like, nope, that happened to me. No, it didn't. That's weird. And it would talk about, and the Holy Spirit rushed upon him and he killed thousand men with a jawbone of a donkey. Okay, so in other words, the Holy Spirit is like, dude, are you ready to go? Let's go. And he comes in, he's like, bam, and just empowers everybody and everybody gets shut down. It wasn't just Samson, it was Othniel, it was Gideon, it was Jephthah, and it goes on and on and on that the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they do these extraordinary feats. You're like, man, that's, 
that's intense. Like, I hope he doesn't do that to me in Rayleigh's, <laughs> right? Why this is important is because I told you that the entire ministry of Jesus was empowered and fueled by the Holy Spirit. It says that when he went down into the baptism and came back up, what happened? And the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. When he landed on him, that was, it's go time. It says, and the, the power of the Holy Spirit, he went out in the power of the Holy Spirit into the desert, driven by the Holy Spirit, and he has a temptation with Satan for 40 days, 40 nights, and afterwards it says, and he emerged in the power of the Holy Spirit to start doing what he needed to do. The Holy Spirit's the one that fueled the entire thing, and he fuels our entire thing. Paul said this in Philippians, he said, guys, pray for me, because between your prayers and the activity of the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna be all right. Whenever anybody needs defense, whenever anybody needs protection, it's gonna be what? The Holy Spirit's gonna come in and empower it. Number three, the Holy Spirit guides. The Holy Spirit guides. Most commonly in the Old Testament, <clears throat> we read that he moved through the prophets, right? Um, so let me, let me give you an example here. So in, when I did the study here, I went through the Bible, and I have a Bible program that's a concordance, and I said, I want to look up all the times it says spirit, because I want to know what the word says. And it says, well, that's 277 times. And I was like, oh, okay, that's a lot. I was like, well, I better go through them one by one. So I went through them all and put them into categories to make sure, was it the spirit of man, or was it the spirit of God, or was it the spirit of this, right? So I do all this, and then I realized it didn't count any of the times it was capitalized because the spirit is a whole different process. So I looked that one up. Guess what, 327 times. Well, better go through them all one by one, put it all in a document, listed them all down. Why? Trying to figure out exactly what the Holy Spirit does and doesn't do. In that, I found 37 direct passages saying the only reason the prophet spoke is because the Holy Spirit allowed him to speak. In other words, Nobody speaks for God if it's not the Holy Spirit speaking through them. I'm not able to preach without the power of the Holy Spirit. That's kind of how it works. How do I know that? And you're like, well, that sounds very mystical. No, the Bible you're reading, here we go. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God. Breathed out by what person of God? The Holy Spirit. How do we know that? 2 Peter 1.21, no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Do you remember the, in the Old Testament when Israel was wandering around the desert? They had a really cool thing. They had a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. Do you remember that? That would guide them through the desert. They could kind of find out, oh, pillar's moving. We better get going. You know who that was? The Holy Spirit. You're going to find out why that is so important here in a moment. All right, here we go. Ready? Three things on how he operates in the church today. And you're going to go, well, how does this impact Bridgeway and everything? Here you go. Three things that the Holy Spirit does in general in the church, including Bridgeway. Number one, he saves. He saves. John 6, 63, it is the Spirit who gives life. No one ever became a Christian without the power of the Holy Spirit. 
When the Father calls them in, who's the one? Jesus makes it possible by his death on the cross, but who's the one that makes you born again? Because born again is a spirit thing. So who does it? The Holy Spirit. You are not saved if the Holy Spirit didn't save you. As a matter of fact, Acts 2.37 records that Peter, after he was preaching for a while, people said, well, what do we do? I want to get saved. He said this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Did you see that? He said, this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off and everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. What's the point? You are not a Christian if you do not have the Holy Spirit. If you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. There you go. The connection is the Holy Spirit. Now you're gonna go, hold on, hold on, hold on, pastor, I come from a different tradition, and it talks about the idea where we're praying, there's an empowerment. Oh, you're talking actually about something else. You're talking about being filled with the Spirit. Oh, that's a different thing. All right, we'll talk about that in a moment. Here we go, let's go to number two. So number one, he saves. Number two, he teaches, reveals, and directs. He teaches, reveals, and directs. Would you turn with me to Luke chapter two, verse 25? I want you to read this because how cool would our lives be if they were like this? Luke chapter two, verse 25. It's a passage you probably have skipped over a million times. Just trying to get to the Christmas story. It's right after it. Luke chapter two, verse 25. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, or the Messiah, verse 27. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms, blessed God, and said, and then he prophesied. Why is that so cool? Well, imagine this. This is now you. And Roger got up in the power of the Holy Spirit, ate his breakfast with the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit downloaded to him what he needed to do today. Then he ended up kicking back and watching Netflix with the Holy Spirit. And then he went to bed in the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, how cool is that? Imagine your whole world is designed around the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that is awesome to me. I mean, it's what I'm looking for. You remember when Philip is hanging out and all of a sudden, what? The Holy Spirit goes, go stand next to the chariot. I'm gonna do some ministry. And he's like, oh, okay, that was weird. And he goes and stands. All of a sudden, that guy's reading the book of Isaiah and he starts ministering to him. The guy gets baptized. You all remember that? Paul the apostle said, I tried to go north, but the Holy Spirit blocked me. I tried to go east, and the Holy Spirit blocked me. I tried to go south, and the Holy Spirit blocked me. He made me go to Troas, and then he gives me a vision of the Macedonian man, and I go to Europe, which is the only reason why y'all are Christians. Make sense? Imagine your life being so directed and organized and empowered by the Holy Spirit that you're like that. That's what I want to be. It's the reason why the motto of this church is what? We are scripture-soaked and spirit-led. Why? Because he's got places to go. 
He's got stuff to do. Come on, kids, we're gonna do some ministry. Here we go. Everybody get your bags. Let's go, 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 go. That person needs a hug. That person needs to be loved on. That person over there needs to be prayed for. That person over there, man, he's irritating. That person over there, you know, it's walking through your life, right? God, the Holy Spirit moves through us, doesn't he? He does. He said, hey, guys, when you get hauled in front of the kings and the other Gentiles and they ask you what's going on with you, and you're like, I don't know what I'm gonna say, don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit will speak through you. He's got you. He speaks through us. He's our teacher. Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He'll take what is mine and declare it to you. If you wanna know anything about God, if you wanna know anything about Jesus, if you wanna try to read the Bible, who do you think's the one helping you to read? It's the Holy Spirit. He's making stuff pop off the page and he's talking and whispering in your ear, right? All right. Number three, what does he do in the church today? He ministers in miracles. He ministers in miracles. I want to talk about the big day, Pentecost, yeah? Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, the whole church, 120 of them. Imagine if all of us were able to have the same experience, which we are. They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And that's weird. You know what's super cool about that? Remember I told you that Israel was guided by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire? They all had one big one that moved around and told them where to go. Now all of a sudden everybody gets a little baby one right over their head. Your own personal pillar of fire. That's pretty cool. Peter comes out. And it looks so weird with everyone talking in other languages. It's really funny. It was so bizarre and strange, he had to say this phrase. These men are not drunk like you think they are. It's only nine in the morning. We would all be drunk by three. It is nine in the morning, right? That's not what's going on here. He says, as a matter of fact, this is a fulfillment of a prophecy by the Old Testament prophet Joel who said in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and my, what? On my daughters and my sons, my young men will dream dreams and the old men will see visions. Do you remember this? This is what he was talking about. Paul said it this way in Romans 15, 18. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed And I did it by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, and I have fulfilled the ministry. Here's how I see it. People go, seriously, Pastor? Like, we can go on and do our church thing without having to do some of this supernatural stuff. And I would look at you and I'd say, why would you want to do that? It's like we have a bat tool belt. Y'all remember Batman had the big tool belt? And in that, he had stuff like a grappling hook, and he had like, you know, all different kinds of cool stuff, like little gas he would shoot at people. Well, In that tool belt, we have one as Christians, and it would be pretty silly to have a whole bunch of them empty. Why? Because you are not interested in those pieces. Because the whole tool belt is for full victory. There's a bunch of victory we're not having because we're simply just not utilizing what God gave us. So in my opinion, when Paul says, if we want to do the full ministry, well, it's going to involve all kinds of stuff. 
It's going to involve evangelism and preaching and teaching. It's going to involve in supernatural stuff. It's going to involve relationships. I mean, a ton of stuff, right? He said it this way in 1 Corinthians 2.4. My speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. There's a whole generation of people leaving the church because they're tired of hearing their parents talk. It's all talk. Blah, 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 blah. I went to church today. What'd you learn? Well, more information. And so their whole faith is based on information. And at some point, the generation goes, do you have anything legit? Like, I get it. We can all talk. People in the Hindu belief, they talk. They have views. Everybody's got views. Is God real or is he not? I'm not seeing any demonstration of the power of God. Do you understand why it's so important that we operate in the power of the Lord? Because it's so important, the Holy Spirit wanted all of us to play with him. And that's why we got this passage. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. To each believer is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit wisdom, to another knowledge, to another faith, to another healing, to another miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirit, to another tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Holy Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wishes. That's so we all play together. Hey kids, I'm gonna go ahead and sprinkle out all my gifts among all of you so that when you all get together, it looks like a big, huge, powerful move of God. If I sprinkle them out, then people don't get super attached to you. They get attached to him. They get attached to God. And that's the whole point, right? It's not that a glorification of a human being, who cares about the the instrument that was used? No, 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 it's the one who moved through them. That's who's amazing, right? And that's why we believe so strongly in making sure that God is glorified.